We're in that uh, space where there's a bit of a, a handing off, as it were, from John the Baptist to Jesus. So we're, we're in that transition phase um, between or from the preparation for the Messiah and the identifying and acceptance of Jesus as such. And um, what we have here today is John's testimony that he's the guy, he's the one. Now, it's interesting about the reading is John says, I didn't know him, which doesn't make any sense at all. He was his cousin. What do you mean you didn't know him? You knew him in the womb when you leapt for joy, when Mary, and I'm sure you heard the story, right? And I'm sure you, you know, you went, uh, you went over to Mary and Joseph's house for Christmas, you know? <laughs> do you realize how funny that is? <laughs> you know, you're at, fam- <laughs> you're at family gatherings and, you know, all the rest. I mean, you knew him. But what he's really saying is, well, I knew him, but I didn't know him. I didn't know that's who he was. Which, which makes sense because oftentimes when, you know, somebody grows up with us or, or, you know, you meet somebody you knew in childhood, right? And then you find out, like, they went on to, to have, I don't know, a great life or, or do something, you know, kind of amazing. Um, you know, you, there's that sort of, well, I knew him when he was a kid, but I didn't realize, you know, I've had that now as a priest numerous times. It's, it's really neat to, to encounter, um, you know, especially like teenagers and kids that I knew uh, 20 years ago, and now they're, you know, they've got families and, and they're doing great. It's just amazing. It's not that I doubted it would happen, but there's that, there's that sort of, okay, I didn't expect that, or I just didn't, you just don't think that way you know, when people, as people are growing up. So anyway, John has that experience of, you know, well, he's my cousin, but I didn't know that, like, he was the Messiah until it was revealed to him, right? And John had been given this knowledge that while he was baptizing, the one whom the the Spirit would descend upon would be the one, and so he didn't know that he was the one. He even, he even points out the Lord's divinity. Um, the one that he is anticipating is the one who existed before him. That only makes sense if Jesus is God and preexisted his human, you know, his, his enfleshment, his incarnation. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense at all. John was older than, or John was older than Jesus. Okay, so John both identifies Jesus as God and Messiah, and it's a bit of a surprise to him how it all turned out and who it was that, that was revealed as the Messiah. And it, that, that experience, again, as I mentioned before, I think happens to all of us in life because we wonder how our lives are going to turn out, and then sometimes when they turn out that way, we, we kind of wonder, well, how did this happen, you know? And we, we might be surprised, we might be disappointed, we might be overjoyed, or likely all of that. And so if we, if we even look, you know, I, I think of um, kind of myself going through this, and, and uh, you know, when you're a teenager, you're just kind of coming into understanding who you are. That's like, that is the big tension for teenagers, for adolescents, is gaining that 
that identity of oneself largely apart from the identity of the family, not hopefully uh, full distinction, but um, that, you know, the, the person is an individual, that, that yes, I belong to the family, I'm a member of the family, but I'm my own person, right? And that, that dynamic is very stressful for the entire family. It's just very difficult. Parents have to let go. Uh, teenagers have to learn how to, how to be responsible and to use freedom well, and, and it's, it's a tough time. It's actually, I think, teenagers, I think it's, for me, it was the hardest time of my life, probably. I don't know. It was pretty hard. It's pretty difficult. And so what you're going through is real. And don't let anyone tell you it's not real. It's real. It's really difficult. And I, I know as a teenager, a lot of times you wonder, you know, well, what do I have that I can give to the world? What, where is God going to lead me? What's going to, you know, you're starting to think about sort of what's going to happen. I remember uh, being in high school and um, I played baseball all through and I started and whatnot, but I just, I knew I wasn't good enough to play in college. I was playing for a small school and, and um, but I had picked up music and I was better at music. So I, you know, I traded in the cleats for a piano and um, I had these visions of being surrounded by smoke, my career, dry ice, and uh, all the rest. And I didn't anticipate that it would actually be incense, you know. <laughs> but I really did. I mean, that's, I was really, I was on that, on that career path and going to school for it and, and, and doing pretty well. But God had other plans. And... God saw in me something I didn't see. And there was one man, actually, who, who saw something in me that no one else saw, Father Doug Lorg, who uh, taught me in high school. He's now uh, deceased. Uh, I was able to preach his funeral a, a couple of years ago. And uh, when I was in high school as a freshman, he's, he's the one who said, I think you're called to the priesthood. And ev- everybody else said, nah. That lasted for a long time, actually. You? How did that happen? I've gotten that a lot of times. Um, But I think of it myself. How did that happen? But the Lord speaks to us oftentimes through other people to identify things we didn't even know. I had no clue. No clue. I was not interested. I was not interested. There were girls I mean, that was it. I was a teenager, right? I mean, that's, so that was my focus, that and music. And, you know, um, I, I never anticipated actually becoming a priest, but it meant a lot that Father Doug saw that in me. And um, throughout the years, as time went on, you know, and you get into young adulthood and then you, you know, you think again, you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, maybe I'm going to do this. Um, and and you, you try it out and maybe it doesn't work. And then you try something else and it doesn't work. And, and um, you date and it doesn't work, you know. Um, and then it does work. Anyway, it's this, it's this strange period, young adulthood, of trying to figure out really what God is calling you to do and, and how am I going to be happy the rest of my life. It's an incredible amount of searching. In all of these stages, we always have a lot of self-doubt. Am I good enough for that? Can I really do that? You know, can I really find somebody to be with me forever and, and truly love me forever? Can I, can I trust somebody in that way? 
Can I trust God with, you know, leading me to something I never considered, like, you know, like priesthood? Um, and, and so there is a lot of self-doubt and wondering, how do I move forward? You move into uh, to middle age, which I guess I'm at now, and um, now you're in it, whatever it was, and time has passed, and you look back, and, you know, sometimes things didn't work out, maybe with a marriage. Um, you look back on marriage or even priesthood, and you see a lot, of, a lot of great things and a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges, a lot of successes. But a common feeling, sentiment, is I didn't expect it to be like this. Whatever we thought it was going to be when we were in our 20s, it's not like that in our 50s, which doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's bad. Sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's great. One of the things that we, we realize when we get to this space is that life is filled with all kinds of gray, right? When you're younger, you just think, that's going to be great. I'm going to do that. And that, that's where a person is supposed to be. And then you live it, and then you recognize, ah. Oh, well, sometimes my wife is great, you know, and sometimes it's hard because she's a person who has struggles herself and vice versa, right? I mean, you get it. Um, same thing with priesthood, right? It's, it's just there's ups and downs. It's murky. It's murky. And sometimes, you know, we can, we can wonder, did I, did I make the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Do I need to make a change? Do I... And we question. Then we move on to our older, you know, our senior years, and I have no clue what that is. <laughs> I have a clue. I have a clue, not from experience, but from the testimony of the seniors um, who I've worked with over the years and, and known and loved. And seniors, you know, you move into that and, and all of the, the rest is sort of, you know, the career and you've moved on is that's done and, and you're moving on to this other stage and there's a lot of self-doubt that comes in then. You know, what is there for me now? Um, how can I affect my family? There's, a, there's a, a great sense of powerlessness for seniors. The world is going crazy. My family's going crazy. Everything's going crazy, and I can't control it. I can't affect anything. It's not the world I used to know. And what is my value now? What is my value in, in the face of all of it? Am I really even needed? Am I even really desired? One thing I want to say about that is, um, for you seniors, the... There are three priests in my life who radically have changed me and had an amazing influence. And they're all very old or dead. They were all very, very old. They were all seniors, you know. Now, Father Doug wasn't a senior when he first uh, called me, you know, to be a priest. But as, I've, as I knew him his entire, his entire priestly career, I did. Um, you know, of course, he was significantly older than me. And Father, uh, uh, Father Adrian, Father Stephen Adrian, who I met when I started uh, music at St. Anne's with Father Doug back in the 90s, he was old then. I mean, he was in his 80s then. Profound impact on me. 
changed my life. And our own beloved Father Frank has radically changed my life. And he's as old as Jesus. <laughs> Tell you a story about him because I think it's really important for the seniors to hear this. So uh, before Christmas, he was able to, you know, he's not, he's feeling okay. It's kind of up and down. And he was able to get here at a daily mass. And uh, he, he wanted to concelebrate. And uh, he's got a walker now. So, he, you know, he largely has to sit. And um, so we're in the back. And I said, hey, you know, you want to preach today? And uh, he said, well, I, I don't know. I haven't prepared. Or, I'm like, you've been a priest for like 100 years. He said, well, I haven't prepared. I said, oh, I don't know. I think the people would just love to hear your voice. He's like, well, maybe I could say something. I'm like, yeah, maybe you could. You could probably say a lot. And I said, I think the people would love it, you know. And what was so cool, I didn't tell him this, but it was so cool sitting next to him as he was preaching was how animated he became. I mean, the man is a priest and he was giving back, doing what he does. And the people, of course, were incredibly touched by it, as was I. And in my life, you know, the, really the men who have influenced me greatly have always been much older than me. And um, the, the great need in our world, there's a great need in our world for you seniors to mentor us, to continue to help us who are younger. Even me at 51, there's so much more that I can learn. There just is. I only know what I know. There's a whole lot more to know. And those who are younger, right? I mean, we all have a role to play in passing down to future generations what we know our wisdom and our experience. So through it all, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, middle-aged, senior, or anywhere in the gap, we struggle with self-confidence. We always do. Or just wondering, is this really what I should be doing? We struggle with knowing where God is calling us. I struggle with what is my place in all of this? It's just that that's a a baseline sort of sentiment that all of us at different times will have to wrestle with. And what it, of course, comes back to is this. God already knows. God does have a plan. Now, that plan does not exist without your free will and without your decision. But he already knows what's going to happen. He's already set things up to work. And the best thing we can do is sort of try to figure out what that is. And there's two ways to do it. What do I do in life? How do I follow? How do I move forward? These two, there's probably more than two ways, but these are the two ways that I have found are just always true when it comes to what should I do, whether you're a teenager, young adult, middle-aged, or senior. Number one, listen. We have to be listeners we have to leave space to hear the voice of God. This is why prayer and worship is so important, right? To, to be able to receive what God might be telling us, to just learn how to listen. And then secondly, as we pursue something, always pursue from the heart, which isn't to say we should not use our rationality. We shouldn't do anything irrational, 
you know, uh, that is not in harmony with, with a good decision. But God calls us through lovingness. He always calls us by attraction, right? And, uh, and you can look at that with, with anything, you know. I mean, very practically speaking to your spouse, very practically speaking to a career, he calls us through that which we would love, and so as you're looking at, what, am I, what do I do next, you know, in my life? How do, what do I pursue next? Pay attention to where your heart is. It's rare that somebody will say, I regretted following my heart, even if I was a bit foolish doing it. But there's many people who will say, I regret not taking the chance because I was just stuck in my head. listening to God, and following where the love leads us. And always remember that God is with us through it all. He will never abandon you. He will never leave us orphaned. Please stand.